Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. We have such amazing listeners and sponsors, we just want to say thank you. If you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. We have two other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network. Please give them a listen. The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms and follow our websites. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, for information on subscription boxes and on upcoming events and workshops. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Super stoked about the podcast today as I speak with truly an amazing human, a former world-class snowboarder and two-time X Games gold medalist, an entrepreneur, and real estate agent, Steve Fisher. We're going to chat about his amazing snowboarding career and how he was really part of the explosion of extreme sports. Also, we're going to talk about his post-career and how he faced the difficulties most athletes face when their careers come to an end. Make sure to follow him on Instagram at Steve Fisher Mountain Homes. Let's welcome Steve Fisher. All right. No, wild times we're living in. Hundred percent. Well, dude, thanks for doing this. Thank yeah. God. Thank God it actually happened today. I don't have a fence anymore in the back, or at least in one part of the back, because they knocked yeah. knocked the tree down, and just wiped the whole fence out. So, okay. No worries. You can sell me a new house, man. So. <laughs> I know you got to move out to Colorado. Uh, that is actually in the plan because I don't know if I told you this. My yeah. Yeah, my business partners live up, or two of them live up in, um, in Fort Collins. So, yeah, yeah. When we when we get funded here soon, um, that is the plan to nice. head out there. So, and we just bought twenty acres of land up in Montana to start like an artist athlete residency and stuff. And um, it's actually you, I don't know if you've ever been to Red Lodge. There's a little a little hill there. Yeah, I haven't, but I've heard of it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, thanks for doing this. It's just like, you know, it's like this, the clubhouse thing is so cool to me just in terms of different people to meet. Yeah. And, and um, you know, we were in, in the a same room talking about, you know, wellness and different stuff like that. And I was like, well, God, man, this guy is like a perfect person to have on the podcast. Cause a lot of what we talk about is, is our mental wellness and how we, you know, I mean, obviously like you and I have the, the end of the sports career, uh, how to adapt kind of thing, but you know, just how, even for, for current athletes, you know, we promote like a creative, um, ritual of sorts to, to, uh, to mm-hmm. get into that, into that, that habit of having a creative uh, daily ritual for, for our health. But, you know, like for you, like snowboarding was, was an outlet, but, you know, also I know you're pretty an avid outdoorsman for lack of a better way to say it in terms of hiking and fishing and, and all that stuff. And I'm assuming you 
still do that, especially out where you live, because God, I'm so jealous of <laughs> Yeah, him, him. no, it's uh, <laughs> a very cool place to to be able to enjoy that kind of stuff and, you know, not not get stuck in the monotony of life, you know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of the, the grind of the city life and not be a weekend warrior. Right. Um, you know, I, I got a lot of friends who live down in the uh, Denver Front Range and Fort Collins, and you know they spend hours in a car to to get up here to get where they need to be to kind of unplug and recharge the batteries and everything like that. And the fact that you know I get to live here full time is unreal. You know, and, and like I, that's again a lot of a lot of the things I think we can talk about, um, because I I do think you know, that you were like a world champion, multiple times world champion. And, and from where you came from, where, what you're doing now, um, and, and, and how you dealt with the stresses of being an athlete while you were really in it. I mean, I'm assuming you still, you know, you still go out and, and do it for fun, but it's not, yeah. it's not that, that intensity of, of, of the X games and, and all that <laughs> stuff, you know, like that has to be, I mean, it has to be cool as shit, obviously, yeah. but it's still, you know, like you're, you're a, a, a two-time X games champion and yeah. multiple medals all over the place. And just like really interested in your story because, you know, I think I, I've had, I think I told you, I've had a couple uh, BMX guys on in the past and yeah. loving, loving to talk to them about, their athleticism because you know in some ways like both a couple of them said you know i never really thought of myself <laughs> as an athlete growing up yeah because we're we're kind of taught that that oh well snowboarding or bmxing is is an activity it's not athletic and it's like bullshit right like, you guys train hard as hard or harder than any athletes i've ever seen yeah and so i just i you know like again as for me, this is like your platform to just go off and <laughs> on a tangent. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I, I'm really, um, like I said, I'm really stoked to have you on because. No, thanks. It's, That's awesome. It's, yeah, it, it is super interesting with the whole action sports, not being athletic or, you know, whatever people's perception was years and years ago. Cause that, that's kind of how I grew up was, um, you know, these are more hobby sports or, you know, these are kind of things that you, you do in your spare time and they're not really, um, worth a ton of attention, at least, I mean, you know, when I was younger, but even at that same time, like my parents were ultra supportive, um, of getting me into the sports. I, um, it was really funny. I was talking about this with somebody pretty recently, but, uh, so I grew up in the twin cities, Minnesota, um, St. Louis Park, which is a suburb touching Minneapolis. And, um, uh, you know, probably at like five or six years old, I um, had this neighbor of mine who I think was in high school by the time, you know, I was like six or seven. And he was a, you know, kind of a, a skater punk alternative uh, snowboarder guy. And I more or less like became obsessed with him and totally, um, you know, just really wanted to kind of get involved with everything that he was doing and, and skateboarding and snowboarding were two of those things. And, um, that's kind of where it all started for me. Um, I was a kid who 
completely um, was obsessed and enthralled by all sports, really. I mean, I grew up playing hockey, basketball. Uh, I got into, you know, football and soccer, uh, all the main sports and was pretty good at most of them. I just, you know, didn't really love the time dedication um, (laughs) for organized sports as much as I liked, you know, just kind of going out on the hill and learning how to jump and hit rails and um, ultimately found the half pipe and stuff at a young age. Um, And that's kind of where it all took off for me. Right. Now, I, I, I think I read you still do play basketball, correct? As, uh-huh. and, and you there was something I read that said that almost basketball was was a a decompression for you, like preparing for competition. That's I mean, that to me is like really interesting because that in some ways that plays into what we talk about with creativity, but it's sometimes like like for me, I'm a painter now. And, yeah. And that's it's, you know, air quotes, it's a job in some sense. And sure. so like I have to do other creative things to clear my mind because even though like I don't get stressed painting or anything, but it is kind of that funneled attack on what I'm doing. And so I write music, I draw, I, you know, being an entrepreneur is creative. So there's these other things. So for you as a, as a snowboarder, it's like basketball is kind of your, your, your athletic outlet in some ways. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was interesting. And like, like we talked about just in the beginning, you know, like everybody has different kind of avenues, um, for the stress relief and, and kind of stepping outside. I think we were in another clubhouse room. I can't remember if you were in there, but it was, um, talking about the athlete identity and being like all in, in your sport and all these things that, um, a lot of people don't really think of, um, with professional sports and professional athletes, you know, for, for instance, um, you know, I can't remember who it was, but, uh, ex NFL player was talking about how he got into like crocheting, you know, or, and like all that kind of stuff. And, um, for me, yeah, it was, um, it was other sports. Uh, I was, I was on a, um, rec hockey league here in Breckenridge for years and years during my snowboard career and, um, got into, you know, pick up basketball through that and other things and really just kind of, you know, for me, it was, it wasn't hard, but it was, it was cumbersome to like be professional snowboarder all the time and have, you know, kind of that self-made pressure to be cool and super pro and all those things. So like for me doing all these other things really helped to kind of just reset and balance and you know kind of take me away from the pressure of having to be that guy um so for me that was it was super fun it was how i had fun you know and i stayed in shape and um i'm not a guy who um you know was a huge gym rat or anything again at the time snowboarding when i got into it was you know pretty pretty relaxed and and very um very counterculture. So it wasn't like cool to be in the gym working out, getting strong. And, you know, it was cool to like be at a party drinking or, you know, guys smoking cigarettes and whatever alternative sports stuff there was. So that, that's kind of when I got into it and I was a person who, um, you know, didn't necessarily fall to either category of, of ultra athlete or, 
ultra party guy. So I <laughs> fit nicely right in the middle. No, but I think you bring that up in like, I, I was in that room and I can't remember if that was Caston's room. Yeah, um, I think so. I, yeah. I was Caston or, or somebody. Caston was definitely there. And, and I, I think that there's something really interesting about this, about identity. Like, yeah. what, you know, because you know, and I, I use this to a lesser extent. Now I could have, I could have played professional baseball, but I went to college and then everything ended there. Um, but that identity of who I was growing up. Now I, I personally was always creative. Like I was always the weird sports guy in the art classes, which right. was always funny to me. Yeah. Um, like the art students would be like, why are you in here? You know? Yeah. And like, well, and, and then they'd see me make work and like, Oh, okay. But yeah, but I was always the athlete. You know, yeah, and then when it ends, it's it is like it's a real hard stop, mm -hmm. and I'm sure for you, like that that gets elevated, like the higher up you get, and like here you are, like world champion, that yeah. time, and I I think I read something, well, and this goes for a lot of sports, you know, it ends quickly and and at a young age, and then yeah. what do you do, and or us or whoever, like, what are you yeah. doing? And it, it is like, it's mentally taxing. Um, it's mentally taxing to be in that space. Um, especially again for you, like, I'm sure that people were clamoring to talk to you all the time. And to, how do you get away? How do you decompress? But then when it ends, it's like, I'm nobody now. Like nobody wants to talk to, you know, it's, it's a weird dynamic. It, yeah, it, it's super, super bizarre. And um, I, I think it, you know, really is one of those things that kind of needs to be a culture shift um, moving forward. Because like you said, I mean, you know, I, I talked to um younger generation of snowboarders who I was close with through my career, kind of bringing them in under my wing and you know, uh, I think it was like three or four years ago, they were like fresh kind of out of, out of their professional snowboarding competitive career. And, um, we met up and had a couple of drinks one night and, you know, they both were just kind of like really lost, um, and had no idea how to move forward had, um, you know, and one of the things that I know is true for all sports is, you know, one, one minute you're at the, the top, you're winning events, you're, you know, the guy or the girl or whatever it is. And then, you know, the second that that stops or sponsors start, um, stop supporting you or, you know, you're traded from your organization. And then, you know, it's, it's a very quick slip and slide, um, out of sports for a lot of people. And, you know, like you said, it, at that point, people really do want to talk to you. People want to know your story and all this and that. And then the second that it's over crickets, you know, nobody, nobody calls, nobody says anything, nobody, um, you know, reaches out. And, you know, for me specifically, I had a, a an experience where it ended very quickly, like literally all of my contracts were pretty much stacked, like within a month. Um, so I talked about this in one room that, um, it, it happened so quick that I, I mean, it was literally like I was a professional snowboarder, um, going into 2011, um, in December 
And then January of 2011, I was Steve. Um, not a, not a pro snowboarder, not, nothing at all struggling, trying to find a job more or less. Um, and trying to figure out who I was going to be after snowboarding and it all happened within a month. Um, I literally sent like 1200 emails to brands, companies, um, like, and shit on the wall type stuff, like anyone and anybody who would listen or who I had an interaction with in my tenure as a pro. And I was met with a lot of, again, crickets. I was met with, um, you know, oh, thanks for reaching out. We appreciate it, you know, but you know, what, what real experience do you have? You were just a pro athlete, you know, and there's like this weird fine line of like, okay, so yeah, I guess I really don't have any experience, but that's the rooms it's, that we've it's been. It's the dumb jock yeah. thing that people still to this day believe exists yep. that we're yeah. not, we're not, you know, we're not intelligent enough to, to move forward past right. what we're, what we've done. It's, yeah. it's, it's fascinating to me. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's scary and sad. Like I, I teach at a university at, at Virginia Commonwealth and right. I actually have started this program called art and athletics yeah. where I do like, it's almost kind of preparing people for that day. It's like, don't, yeah, yeah it, yes. A hundred percent enjoy this time because this is precious and you're very lucky to be here. And some of you may go on, you know, it's a very limited number are going to go on to be professional mm -hmm. athletes. Yep. But when it's over, like you have to be prepared and I don't know what that means. That's, that's an individual preparation, like, yeah. you know, for, for that moment that when it's over and, yeah. you know, like a lot of it, you know, is I try to get students just to talk. Yeah. Because I think that that being able to have dialogues with people really opens up how you interact in, in the world. And totally. It, it's just it's weird. Like it, it it's it's for me it's like I mean it's I'm older and it's been a long time, so like I've gone way past this point, but it's still fascinating okay. to me and really I don't say it's therapeutic, but it's just it's I think it's good that we now do have like pl platforms like, you know, clubhouse and we have platforms, like podcasts where, where we can have these discussions that I think are really truly important. And it, again, like this isn't just for athletes by any stretch of the imagination because everybody deals with stress and anxiety, you know, especially in COVID time, but these, these conversations are just so healthy to me. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. And you know, one of the things that uh, Cassin and I talk about in the rooms that we host on on Clubhouse are, um, you know, helping people to understand and how to articulate if they are in that transition phase or if they've gone through a prolonged transition phase. That you know, as a pro athlete, you you are an elite level coordinator and person manager. You know, I mean, and it's no contest. Uh, you know, if you, if you talk to somebody on a team sport, who's familiar with, you know, being a team leader and that sort of thing, it, look at them manage and, and deal with people. I mean, it, it's, it's insane how much better they are than, you know, corporate crap, you know, and it, it's just, it's these weird cultures, these culture barriers that, I think make it tough because either you have on the one side, people who are obsessed with it and want you in and 
oh, that guy was, you know, MLB player and NFL player for a few years. We got to have him on this. And, you know, whether it's a good fit or not, you know, they do whatever it takes to try and fit it in. Um, but then on the opposite side, you have the people who are fear-based and people who don't necessarily like or want to take that chance on somebody that they know might be a good fit because it's potentially a threat to what they're doing. So it's like this really weird fine line of, you know, a lot of love or hate people that, yeah, you just, I mean, I don't know. It, it's so hard. And, you know, some guys, like I said, fit in really well and really easily, but then, um, you know, smart people and people who are tenacious and, and really um, driven to s- succeed and, and that sort of thing is, is scary for other people. So it's a really hard well, hard conversation, I, I think. I do, and it, it, it like I think you brought up that that point just a minute ago. There's something about sports discipline and ritual that fits in anywhere, and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have that. Yeah, but sports teaches you. Like I'm sure you were up at whatever the crack of dawn, getting to yeah. the mountain every day to practice. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, that's that's part of what it takes to be a, a good athlete. I yeah. like, I take that discipline to my, my artistic career. Like I'm in my yeah. studio. Like it's like, it's a ritual to me. And, right. and I know that that's athletic based. Yeah. Sorry. My dog's barking. Honestly, my dog no. will start barking too at some point. And, uh, <laughs> um, no, you're right. And, and that's the thing. It, it's so funny. I, I will never forget. I was interviewing for my first job, um, that I finally actually had, response to after um everything had kind of dropped out for me and i was i was uh talking to this advertising agency in denver um because i I needed something you know i i just wasn't going to sit around and play video games and let the world come to me um which is fine you know that's therapeutic for some guys and that's how they get through it or girls or whatever it is like everybody kind of has their own avenue to walk but um you know i like I said, I was completely tenacious and would not accept no for an answer a lot of times. And, um, you know, eventually got to this advertising agency and the, um, ad director, the director of the company or whatever, basically like, you know, asked me all these questions and was like, Oh, so, I mean, you like, you had an agent, right? So you didn't really like do your own deals or you didn't, you know, it was all this, like, they were great questions because I, at that point had no idea how to answer them. But at the same time, it was like, well, no, I mean, technically I'm the manager of my own brand. Um, I have a manager who helps me put the legal stuff together, but um, you know, I'm doing a lot of this stuff. I'm member of the U S snowboard team. I'm doing all these, you know, events. I mean, talk about calendar coordination. I, I, a lot of my life I spent, you know, more than six to eight weeks at a time in Europe and other countries and totally, I didn't get lost. I didn't do all the, you know, <laughs> have the ability to right. chat with international people and forge international relationships and spent, you know, probably a year and a half of my life in Germany um, while snowboarding and working with a German company and, um, you know, had tennis rackets and skis and snowboards is based in Germany. So it's like, I, I had this global experience. Like 
I, I don't understand how that's so hard for you to understand. Yeah, what more do you see. want? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's again, it, it, and these are all things that like you, you just kind of walk your own path and you learn on the way and eventually things fit, you know, and that for me was, it took years and years after, after retiring from sports and, um, trying different marketing and branding and company and, um, corporate type things. And I ultimately realized like that just wasn't where I wanted to be because somebody else is in charge of my destiny, no matter how well I do. Um, you know, I started a, a glove company for Swanee gloves, a handful of years after my, uh, stint at the ad agency, uh, they contracted me solely to basically help, you know, make their company cool. Um, <laughs> so I started a glove company, developed a program. I, from the ground up, literally did everything, R and D product research, new products, sourcing material, like you name it, I did it all. And they were just kind of like, well, you don't really do that much. So, oh. you know, it, and it, again, it's just one of those things like that, that was kind of the last straw for me where I was like, you know what, I'm done, you know, like I'm doing my own thing. So that's when I got into real estate and here I am. Yeah. You're, you're, you're on your own time. Like in, in a lot of ways, like you want to yeah. sell a house this month at eh, yes or no. I mean, you know, yeah. I agree. Like I, there is something about being your own boss that is, I I'm not quite there yet. I'm close. I mean, I'm still, you know, under the umbrella of academia, which I love. I love, I love the teaching part. I hate the, the bureaucracy of being in a, in a university setting. I just can't like deal with these, these kind of antiquated systems. And so it's, it's, you know, it's that constant no, battle. <laughs> totally get it, man. My my girlfriend is a uh, public school teacher, so I it's I know the pain. Yeah, it's, it's fun right now. I mean, I've I've actually started doing in person classes like three weeks ago for the first time in a year. Oh, um, cool! Which is you know, it's great. And I just got my first shot the other day, so I'm like, okay, better. Um, but it's just it's weird, you know that that idea of being like I think I'm like one of the only professors that's in in an actual room and it's just it's like a ghost town yeah and and it's just bizarre you know yeah do you i like do you still like have connection to snowboarding world like you said you did work with some guys like right when you'd gotten out i mean do you still like have that kind of i don't want to say mentor relationship but it does sound like you did at least have that because i think that that's it's, you know, it's not something that I think we have to do, but I think it's like really important for younger athletes, younger people in general, like to understand, you know, the, the, the ins and outs of life. And I don't want to like, like skew it down to sports, but you know, like even just like what you were saying about how you worked your way through the business world, that's really important for people to hear, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, try to be, uh, moderately connected, but, uh, you know, to full disclosure when it all kind of ended for me, um, I took it at, you know, again, I, I reached out to all the companies. I reached out to everybody. I knew it, everything. And every, everyone's response was more or less like, 
sorry, don't have anything for you. Like there's nothing here, nothing available. So like that was super embarrassing, you know, here, here I'd spent, you know, 20 years as a amateur snowboarder into professional snowboarding for 12 years, um, at the highest level. And when it was all done, literally nobody wanted me as a part of any, any company moving forward. So like, it was super embarrassing. Um, and you know, I took a step back and I was like, well, man, fuck snowboarding. You know, (laughs) I'm not, you know, here I am busting my ass for all these companies, like trying to win contests and be a, a global ambassador and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, you know, like that's that. Um, so I, I more or less like didn't talk to anybody other than a couple of my like really close friends through it. And, um, really, you know, kind of disappeared a bit and, um, it took years until I started to get back in touch with like everybody. And, um, the really weird part about snowboarding is, you know, it all kind of ends very different for everybody and timing is wildly different. So like a lot of people that were my generation who, you know, retired a year before, two years before, or three years after, you know, like the timing never aligns so that you're never really sure how to reach out to people or when it's okay, or when, you know, they do need help or whatever. And I think everybody kind of wrestles through this in their own mental state. And, you know, it's, it's just hard to, to kind of reach out, like I said, and, and offer help. Um, because you never know if people don't want it, don't need it, don't care, or are struggling badly and don't know how to ask. It's, it's bizarre too. I mean, I mean, like just as an outsider looking in, because in some ways you were part of that kind of growing up of, of the X games for, for lack of a better, I mean, you know, like I know the X games started in what, 95 or 97, right? Oh yeah. It was like 95, I think was the first one. And I mean, you know, like you were in those ones that really was really the boom yeah. And you yeah, won, you big. won in the boom too, like yeah. 2004, 2007, you won gold. Yep. And so it's just like, it's so bizarre, like that there was like a disconnect in some ways to me. I mean, again, like this is me outside looking in. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, I always just say people are in like, this is a human trait. We're all selfish in some ways, but it's just not everybody's selfish to that point that they don't like see themselves in each other, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, and you know, like I said, it recently, ever since clubhouse started, I've actually been a little bit more active in trying to reach out to people who, um, you know, were in my generation and, you know, to talk about it and everything. Cause a handful of people have really gone through some really hard struggles. Um, you know, a handful of people that I was really tight with, you know, got into drugs and alcohol very badly and, you know, blew all their contract money from years of earning and, you know, their twenties and had to start over completely. And, um, it's cool because they're really open and honest about it now, but again, you know, it, it takes years and years to kind of get over that embarrassment and, you know, the rug being pulled out from under you and not having a, you know, a solid, next move and 
really just kind of flailing for a little while, which I think everybody does at one point or another. It's just, you know, it's like you said, it's a, a, a very different experience for pro athletes who are at a certain level and then come crashing down and are forgotten for years or whatever, when they think like, Oh, you know, this is my sport. I'm doing this. I'm a big deal. And turns out, no, you're not. <laughs> well, no, it's one of those things. I, I, I keep wondering what, what can be done? Like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously like, you know, you, the first thing I, th- well, like, let's educate people. But I right. think back to when, you know, when I was young, I fucking, I wouldn't have listened to myself, like somebody like tell me that your sports career yeah. is going to be over. And so it's like, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard lesson in some ways because it's like, what, yeah. how do you, I mean, how do we approach this, this uh, dynamic of what's next because it's yeah. again like you said it's or like when did you when, were you 28 is that what you said when you were uh, done? yeah when when my career i mean ended. my god you have like three lifetimes left or, or you know yeah. it's like and it's and it's i don't know it's just like it's it's one of those questions i always ask it's like how do you approach somebody that it's at at the top of the world you know and with this Hey, just so you know, like this will, this will be end someday. Yeah. And, and you know, what do you want to do next? And, right. And, and how do you, yeah, I don't know. How do you get through to that? It, it's right. weird. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. It, it's super weird. And I mean, I'll say from my perspective and this kind of, you know, maybe overlaps a little bit more into the organized sport kind of sphere, but, um, I think ultimately it's down to the organization. So like if you're in baseball, football, basketball, soccer, or whatever, um, you know, I, I think it's into the organization um, to have a program specifically for that. Um, I will say, I do know that U S skiing and snowboarding has recently um, created a position and the girl who, uh, is now more or less in charge of kind of transition out of sport is a awesome young lady who, um, who she is a former hockey player herself, uh, from the collegiate level, I think. And, uh, so, you know, she grew up with sports her whole life and made it to that collegiate level. And I think won championship something, I mean, obviously an elite athlete herself. So she at least, understands kind of where people are coming from. But I think, again, like I said, from, from a perspective of organizational standpoint, there needs to be systems in place specifically for that, because, you know, I can't remember if it was, was it a 30 for 30 where the, the documentary that like all the NBA players who went broke after their time. It was and, either that or an E60. Yeah. Yeah. And like how the same you said for football players and, you know, they get a million dollar contract and they don't understand taxes or their agent take or all these things. I mean, these need to be like foundational courses as you're brought in to the organization at time of draft, you know, there's the, the onboarding period, you know, needs to be very intensive kind of like, okay, well, your agent takes X percent here's your contract. It's not all guaranteed and this, 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 and this. And, you know, if you need a financial advisor, here's a list of preferred people. Here's places to put your money 
something that will be great for you and earn on this and do that. And I think that would help hugely. And then not only that, but I think when a player is retiring, you know, it, it really, it's not like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because like, in my opinion, I think it should be a fiduciary duty of organizations to then fit, like help that person figure out where they want to be next. Like, do you want to be an analyst on ESPN? Great. Let us help you figure that out. You know, do you want to be an NBC Olympic commentator? Uh, great. Let us figure out how to put you in the right place so that you can do that. You know, like, I don't know. And of course, there's always the responsibility on the individual to like make these things happen, of course. But, you know, for an athlete at that level to, like I said, you know, bleed, die, get hurt, play, whatever on any scenario, win medals for whoever. And all you're going to do is pat them on the back and say, thanks. I mean, I, I just think that's beyond fucked up. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> It is. I, 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 it, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the piece of meat theory, you know, we're just, right. all, we're us all pieces of meat in that, in that, in that system. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, but that's the whole system, you know, yeah. cause that's all the, the employees too. They're in that same yep. crazy messed up culture as well. And it's, it's very different on their side. And that's what I was saying about, you know, if an athlete does retire and reach out and say, Hey, I would love to do this and help you, you know, then you have five or 10 employees that are like, well, shit, there goes our job. Um, so-and-so wants to do it. So then they block that person or, or not, or, you know, it's, it's just this weird cycle of scarcity rather than abundance. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, it's weird. I, I think I do feel like these, again, these conversations are the, are the start of change. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I do think, you know, people like you, people, you know, I, I always bring up like a Kevin Love who basketball player yeah. that talks about mental health and yeah. talks, you know, and like, here's a guy that's, you know, one of the great basketball players of all time. And he talks about struggles. And I think that that, yeah. those things help, you know, I mean, totally. obviously we talk about, creativity as as our tool um, mm-hmm. in this whole thing where you know sit down doodle for 20 minutes a day or paint or, or write music whatever yeah. and and just watch how you know like that recovery that real recovery happens now i'm not saying you're going to be a, a professional artist but these you know like all creativity promotes critical thinking any any job like yes. boss wants wants that so it's yeah. like this stuff never hurts but it's, it's, it, it, I just think that things are changing. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously they never go as fast as we want them to, but, right. but I do think, you know, I do think things are, um, are changing. And I, I do think that professional athletes in, especially in what we're talking about here are such a key to it because they promote these things that, help others understand that this is real yeah it's it's not you know it's not a bunch of bullshit that that we're talking about that i'm dealing with mental health issues well you're a bazillionaire so what that has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with it i mean it does but it doesn't (laughs) right 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 i mean like you know like if you have a 
billion dollars, you're in, live in a bigger house and you don't have to have trees right. falling on your power lines. <laughs> but, um, but you yeah. still like, you still deal with, with issues like, and of course, still. Well, and I, and that's a, a completely different set of issues that mm-hmm. again, you know, those have nots will, will never understand and they will never experience. And that's a sad reality too, but it, it does come with its own set of, you know, really difficult situations. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if you just, I just saw an article that uh, Kobe Bryant's wife is fighting her mother yep. over, yep. you know, money. And yep. it's, it's, it is absolutely crazy, yep. you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I know. <laughs> it's like, that's a throw your hands up kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is. And, but that's like, I don't know, that's kind of where things are at as a society and, and in again you know the sport pro sport culture and you know kind of that worship culture um makes it very strange um and and very challenging to deal with you know and uh i mean personally me i had a really hard time when people fanned out on me because i was just like (laughs) right i'm nobody like i'm not even (laughs) i don't know what to tell you Just a quick reminder to make sure to follow Steve on Instagram at Steve Fisher Mountain Homes. Also a reminder to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. You can follow us on all of our social media platforms and check out our websites. Now, back to Steve. What, like... Let's do. T- I don't want to. I want to talk yeah. a little bit about about the good times about yeah, snowboarding yeah. because, again, you like you're you were champion, multiple time yeah. champion. Like, and that had to just be so fucking rewarding. Like yeah, again, like no, just to start, like when you started, like six or seven, like you said earlier, and to like get to that top of the podium. And again, mm-hmm. like for me, you know, and again, I'm in my head, I'm a great snowboarder, but I know for a fact I would suck at it because I just don't, I don't have that balance. So, um, you, you were really in the, in the the heart of when these sports kind of came to fruition. And I mean, I know that sounds weird to say it like that, but, but they, they became these things while you were in it. And like, it had to be wild a to be in it, but it also had to be wild or has to be wild now looking back at that. Oh yeah. And, and just the joy of it. Yeah, no, it it was nuts. So, I mean, I, like I said, I grew up with it and, and very, very attached to it and enthralled. And um, so, well, I mean, it was like the early nineties is really when snowboarding started to take off as, you know, kind of that counterculture um, next big thing that everybody was into. And, you know, it was like the fastest growing sport for maybe almost a decade. Um, and as a young, young person, me being able to start with amateur level events and kind of grow up in, in the event sphere and more and more started competing against people that I was really, you know, that I admired hugely. Um, who are so that was like what I, I that's always one of my questions of like yeah. inspirations. You can embed that into your this answer. 
Oh yeah, no, it is insane. So, I mean, like I grew up and, you know, guys like, um, just snowboard names, but like Jimmy Scott, um, Jeff Brushy, um, Adam Petraska, Ross Powers, Lil Gregory, um, Alexi Litovara on the international stage, Fabian Rohr, um, you know, huge like international snowboarders when I was younger and then was eventually starting to compete against and every once in a while would beat was a total mind trip. And, you know, here I was at, again, you know, for me, it was very strange because like mentally I just was doing it um, in my teens and, and uh, well, I guess like early teens to late teens. I was just, I was doing it. I was in high school. That was first and foremost. And, you know, instead of being on a traveling hockey team, I happened to be traveling right. the snowboard events and uh, I was the only one doing it. I was the only one in my high school that really, I mean, kids snowboarded, but nobody competitively or anything like that. And um, so it was kind of on this like Island in the twin cities of Minnesota. I was on a, a club team, which was, was great. And that helped me hugely. It was uh, called team Gilboa which uh, started at Highland Hills. And, you know, I was one of the, the first snowboarders that was allowed to be a part of the team because they were traditionally a ski racing program. Um, and then with the, again, you know, wild popularity of snowboarding, they started doing, okay, well, snowboarders, yeah, you can do it. But, you know, this is not just a freestyle program. You have to race also. So I did it all, you know, like racing, freestyle, but I just, I'm not a racer. So I was like, <laughs> spending all my time on the jumps and in the half pipe and everything like that. And, you know, very quickly the amateur USASA is the organization U S snowboarding. So whatever, I can't even remember. I need to look it up. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a massive national amateur snowboard program that a lot of people did in their youth, you know, myself, Danny Cass, JJ Thomas, Gretchen Blyler, Ross Powers, um, all these big, big snowboarders um, came up in USASA competition. And eventually um, a large number of them became professional, like super pros. And so that was kind of what I grew up with. It was insane. Um, but then again, like I said, at the time, you know, like the big snowboarders, Jim Rippey, Jeff Brushy, Jamie Lynn, um, Todd Richards, uh, a lot of these guys were in the international competition sphere. And eventually, you know, you work your way up. I was at junior national or junior worlds. I think when I was 15, 16, 17, I won it when I was 19. Um, and yeah, it was crazy. But again, like I said, here I was this kid from Minnesota who how, how the fuck did I get there? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I still don't know. Um, I still don't know. And it, it's a pretty crazy to think about now. Cause like I did a lot of really crazy wild things and um, you know, all, all the kids around me were, you know, Joe Maurer was a catcher for the twins for, yep. you know, super. Oh, you, were, you knew her. For years and years, oh, and I think Joe's, Joe's years great. Oh, and um, do you remember a guy named Mike Durant? 
Um, I believe he was on the Twins for a hot second. I grew up I with don't. him. He was a catcher as well. Okay. Joe is great. Like, yeah, just, just the smoothest swing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so that's, you know, where I grew up was like the traditional sport thing. And then of course here I was on snowboarding and (laughs) (laughs) it was just one of those things where, you know, you're just kind of swept up in the wave. But again, like when you were like, for me, you know, I keep bringing this back, but it's, it's like the X game sports in the, mid 2000s that's when pe- like people's names started becoming household names like yeah. like the traditional athletes you know yeah. like, like the the Sean Whites and yeah. uh what the what the hell is that dude's name uh got him totally spacing out but like Rick, Rick Thorne BMX you know I'm going in like yeah. the, um and and I actually grew up with I think I mentioned this to you when we talked a couple weeks ago I grew up with uh Brad Lyons yeah, I actually grew up with his sister. So it's like those people's names, like Tony Hawk. Yeah. Like, like yeah. they, they became household names, which for me again, was like the first time that started bubbling up. And, yeah. and so it had to be just like, just wild, you know, all, you know, I keep saying that for you to like, to be in that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. did it, did like, do you feel like it, did it, did that diminish some of the joy of, of, no game for you or like, or did no. it amplify it? No, I mean, I'll never forget. I think I was, I think we had just graduated high school, uh, in 2001 and, um, all my friends were off to college. I did a year at, uh, Portland state university, which was, you know, just kind of a community school in, in Portland. And, um, that's when I started to get paid by sponsors and was asked to be a full-time a team member of the U S snowboarding team. So, I didn't go back. Um, and, um, I, I, I will never forget. It was going into that year that one of my good friends who was also very heavy into traditional sports, but, um, you know, just kind of went the academia route was asking me one summer, like, do you ever think you'll, you know, get to and win the X games or something like that? And at that time I was just like, <laughs> dude, I, I don't know. I, I don't know any of this. I, you know, like all I can do is ride and continue to progress. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't cool too, you know, like I'll figure whatever else out. And yeah, sure enough, like three, four years later, <laughs> there was at the top. Um, so that was, that was pretty nuts. Um, you know, and of course growing up in the same era and generation as Sean White and seeing what that's all become is, you know, another crazy thing. Cause like here, literally every of it, you know, the media made it out that Sean White was the only snowboarder worth mentioning and he was the best of the best, but everybody beat him. Everybody, you know, everybody took turns winning events. I mean, it was a very round Robin kind of thing. There were that many people with that much talent and nobody talked about it. And that was what pissed me off about the whole generation. Oh, sure. I mean, AJ Thomas, Ross Powers, Tommy Shasheen, Chris Nelson, Andy Finch, me, Danny Cass, Mason Aguirre, you know, like the list goes on and on. Like every week was a different winner. Um, and then not to mention you had all the international guys like Trevor Andrew. You had Jan Michaelis from Germany, who was a killer, killer rider. You had um, all the guys from Norway, Sweden, and Finland that were like insane that nobody knows their names. And Auntie Audi, Mika Haast, um, 
God, Mark Kukowski is another, like, I mean, insane athletes that were just drowned out by the media hype. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to your point, uh, the generation that we kind of forged and grew up in, in snowboarding was what turned it mainstream. Um, and I thought that was really interesting to be a part of as far as if it's ever talked about again, I mean, I don't know I never hear about it other than in this conversation, but you know, they never mention it on X games. They never mention it at the Olympics. They never mention it at, you know, that not that this year makes sense because nothing happened, but, um, let's do, you know, let's do a 30 for 30 on it. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I mean I'm being dead serious because again, yeah. it's like that, it's like that, uh, documentary on the skateboarders, the, uh, what is it called? Yeah. Dogtown. Yeah. Uh, that, and again, I'm not a skateboarder, but man, yeah. I could watch that every day. Like it's yeah. just fascinating to me to like to yeah. watch that shit. And totally. The, the kind, and, and I know that's not the, I mean, that's the bubbling of the history. Like it obviously was happening before, but those are the kind of things that made it go boom. Yeah. Yeah. They, it was a powder keg. And again, you know, it was like the Vans triple crowns. It was the X games. It was, uh, the grand prix. There was, um, you know, a handful of other like Aaron style, like all these one-off events and these crazy events that, you know, were stadium huge support toyota big air in japan was you know one of the most massive events i've ever been to and like nobody here knows what that is and you know it's just a stadium jump and um really really wild the arctic challenge you know taria hawkinson who was i mean undoubtedly the godfather of snowboarding um in those early years of freestyle who he you know was who took it to that next level and um you know a lot of people assimilate sean to being the tony hawk of snowboarding but you know really it's taria and um the guys of taria's age um and generation like daniel frank jamie lynn kevin jones i mean jesus the list goes on and on of such incredible people that made the sport what it is and and took it to so many new heights you know and then there's the whole like video and magazine side of things so i mean it's it's a very interesting sport when you look at it compared to that of a traditional kind of an organizational sport because those guys obviously have tv deals and all that sort of stuff but like you know we had all of our other creative deals yeah, right, right. <laughs> more or less that uh really kind of took it to those next levels do you i, I might have sort of touched on this earlier do you like watch x games now and with kind of like i mean with a sort of an awe because obviously like oh, the yeah. tricks keep getting better and better like it has yeah. to be in some ways insane yeah <laughs> yeah no it, it it is completely completely bonkers and you know i will say i it, it's really interesting for me to kind of look at those things now because i can I can tell you straight up like, Oh yeah, that podium was wrong or that podium was wrong. And, you know, but that happened throughout my career too, where, you know, guys um, like Elijah Teeter, Elijah and Abe Teeter, who are Hannah Teeter's brothers were, you know, some of the most talented creative snowboarders ever. And they didn't get their due very rarely um you know here and there they would get like second or third at, at events but should have very clearly won um where then danny davis who was um kind of a, a 
in between my generation and the generation now who, you know, really kind of pandered off of that creative snowboarding in the half pipe. But, um, you know, Elijah Teeter, Abe Teeter were the first ones who did it. Uh, there was a guy named Guillaume Morissette from Canada who, um, you know, and Abe and Elijah's kind of era was also doing crazy runs that were entirely switch. Chris Inglesman was a guy who rode as good switch as he did regular and never got to win because his stuff was so crazy technical and looked so good that nobody knew. And they were just like, Oh, well, it's just a basic it run. It's too easy. That doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah, crazy. that's no, that's exactly right. And it's crazy. And that's the other thing with judge sports. I, I think it's so interesting. Cause like, not that it's the same in any way, but it is a lot like figure skating and, you know, people like Sasha Cohen and who had one bobble in the Olympics and got, still got silver, you know, in snowboarding, if you bobble, there's, if you're Sean, you can still get a podium, but if you're anybody else, there's no way. Um, it's just super, super fascinating. How, how do you like, what, what's a resolution of that? Like, Cause it huh. is like, it is, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's a weird, cause I always say that about even like about boxing and, and, you know, I guess the martial arts sports, you have yeah. like judges that, I mean, it's, it's the human error and, oh yeah totally and, and so it's so weird to me, like that. And it's, it's actually really cool to hear that because I've always thought that about, about your sports, like, God, man, yeah. that's, that's, there's, there's people in this sport that, will never be recognized that are probably yeah. just the best snowboarder that has ever existed, but you just will never know. No, never. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's just, again, it's really hard because like, so a sport that is obscure like snowboarding that then gets national media attention, those national media reporters have no idea what it is or how to talk about it or what people are doing. So then we have to be the ones to explain to them what's difficult, why it's difficult, who's doing what, and, you know, have to educate people to be able to talk about it on the Olympics, you know, and I will say Todd Richards as the Olympic broadcaster is fucking phenomenal um, because he was one of us. So he, can explain it from a very, very baseline perspective so that somebody's grandma can understand what's <laughs> happening. Right. You know, it's fantastic. And um, I think that's what's missing in the journalism side of things is people who don't do any homework, they don't do any research. And then all of a sudden they have this clickbait story nowadays. I mean, before it was like, you know, shock and awe magazine stories, but now it's clickbait internet stories. And I will never forget somebody, somebody wrote a real shit story on Danny Davis um, at the Sochi Olympics because, um, because we had a great team of, of half pipe snowboarders in the guys realm and all anybody wanted to talk about was Sean White. And, you know, I can't remember, but out of the last, I mean, since snowboarding has been in the Olympics, the U S has gotten the most medals out of anybody. I mean, it's like, why aren't you doing your homework? Right, right, right. You know, why aren't you taking the time to learn these things if you're going to write and publish a story about it? I, I just think. Have it's you super ever thought about that? Has that ever like entered your idea about broadcasting or 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 writing? 
Um, I mean, kind of, but I, mean, I know you were like, you did a lot of blogs and stuff. I did not. I mean, it was very early, but again, it was, you know, I was, I was a pro snowboarder. I wasn't right. there to write, uh, you know, <laughs> kinds of right. things. You know? <laughs> I, I think I'm more of a verbalist than I am a writer. <laughs> so, um, if anything, I would do a podcast, but no. I yes, mean, do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. I, uh, I actually, so I started a show on Clubhouse with uh, Mark Sullivan. I don't know if you know him, but he he is one of the founding pioneers of, of snowboard journalism and snowboard media. He started Mark snowboard- Sullivan, you said? Yeah, Mark Sullivan. Okay. Started um, Snowboarder Magazine with Pat Bridges years oh, cool. and years ago. Started uh, Eastern Border Magazine. He was um, one of the announcers for all the events for years and years and years before that started to get professional. <laughs> um, you know, but one of the true like lifer snowboarders and snowboard enthusiasts over the course of its history. Um, and we started a show on Clubhouse called Legends of Snowboarding. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. I haven't jumped in it yet, but I, I did. Yeah. I think I saw when you posted that. Okay. Yeah. So we just talk about, you know, kind of the history and make sure that those guys and people like that are not left by the wayside or forgotten. Right. Now I I'm being dead serious. I think the, the proposal of a 30 for 30 or a documentary about kind of the history of snowboarding, you know, a la in, in the dog town kind of a way would yeah. be fascinating to me. Oh, totally. And I think it's needed. And, you know, like you said, it went, went from counterculture, crazy surfing to Pop straight culture. up. Yep. Yeah. Straight up media, like mainstream. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think so too. I, I would, I mean, a 30 for 30 or a, you say whatever they do, um, you know, a two part, I think would be yep. phenomenal. I just think that they have to frame it in a, you know, a completely balanced setting. So that way yeah, that would be the issue. Can't... People aren't, you know, put up on a higher pedestal. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that, that would be the issue is like, yeah. can you, can you do this in a very measured way that, that speaks to the whole story, not just the singular story? Yeah, exactly. And there, there's, certainly ways to do it. You just have to get the correct production team to right. who knows exactly what went on, what's at, you know, um, do you know, uh, do you work with ESPN at all or? No, 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 okay. no. I'd love to. I mean, I know a couple people that do in some ways. Um, and yeah. I actually have a friend. It's interesting when you mentioned the knitting th I, I'm trying to remember if I was involved in that convert. Yeah, I was involved because I yeah. mentioned, I mentioned uh, Rosie Greer. Yeah, because that was it. We we uh, literally right when when Chris, my business partner, and I started this company. Yeah, one of the first people we talked about was Rosie Greer because what a fascinating dude that here's this you know 1960s macho football player you know when it like you had to have a job in the off season that kind of a football player yeah and he's, and he's crocheting yeah and it's just like what is that's a story right there. And, totally. you know, and so we've always wanted to do uh, a 30 for 30 on him. And I have a buddy that's actually a, um, a reality television producer. And we've yeah. talked to him about different things like this. And I, I just think, again, like I, I snowboarding, skateboarding is not my culture, but I love yeah. it. Like I'm peripherally just I'm in awe of the athleticism and the creativity of it all. And yeah. I think 
I just think it would be an, an amazing story to tell because, yeah. because I do think, like you said, it just like culture gets lost in the one or two to three people that yep. were the hot one, like the Tony Hawks of the, of that moment. And obviously he's the skateboarder, but right. the, the Sean White's like, let's be honest. Like that's, that's what they pay attention to. And it's like, man, there's so many other people that are here that built this bridge, built oh, this yeah. building that get lost in that shuffle that it, it's mm -hmm. just, I think it would be like fascinating. I really do. Oh, yeah. Totally. No, I mean, and, and again, yeah, it, it's just so many like wildly talented people that never get mentioned again, or, you know, just because it doesn't fit with whatever narrative. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, okay, no, we're going to work on that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I used to know a handful of people at ESPN, but obviously that's, you know, long gone. But. Yeah. 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 It like, again, like it just like things disappear. It's, it's yeah. just weird. So I like, we'll like, we'll start kind of wrapping up, but I, you know, I always like to ask kind of the, I don't want to say the goofy questions at the end, but um, I always like to know you traveled a lot. Yeah. But you live in, in what I consider like just the most beautiful area in the world, but yeah, <laughs> like where are some of the places you like really gravitated towards, um, and I always like to know what you ate because I want to, if I go there, I need to eat. Right. Um, yeah. and then music, like, uh, you know, like again, like culturally, like X game, always X games always gets associated with like music in some weird way, mm -hmm. but like, not that that has to be part of the answer, but like, what kind of music do you listen to? Cause I just, yeah, I'm a musician yeah. person and I love. Totally. Um, okay. So let's start with travel. Um, yeah, I've been a lot, a lot of places. The only continent I haven't, well, two, I guess, at this point I haven't been on right now are Antarctica and Africa. Um, love Norway, um, Sweden, Finland. I, I like all three of those areas are phenomenal and wildly cool. New Zealand is probably one of the coolest places in the world that I've ever been. Um, craziest is india <laughs> did a uh, magazine story there for trans world snowboarding um back in 2008 that was one of the cool i mean just so wildly different than anything um it, it, you can't even explain it you know it's one of those things that's like it's life-changing in a way in a way that you just you can't even talk about it with people, uh, because they'll never understand it unless they have that experience. Um, but, uh, Italy, uh, Switzerland, Austria, all those, I mean, literally, I mean, if anybody has the ability to travel and, and do these types of trips, do them, you know, go out, get out of your comfort zone, but you know, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ugly American, and, you mean? Yeah, just, you know, do what you can to blend in because, I mean, you know, people here when when they travel and are from other countries and are assholes, we don't like it either. Yeah. So, um, you know, do what you can to just be respectful and, and understand and have a conversation and, and that sort of thing. And um, food-wise, I'm super cultured. I, I like it all. Um, sushi oh yeah japan japan is one of the cooler like one of the better places um sushi is probably my all-time favorite food um 
German food was okay. Italy, <laughs> obviously the best. Um, you know, uh, Scandinavian food was pretty interesting. That was a, a very fish oriented diet. Um, you know, just very simple kind of instead of meat and potatoes, it's like fish and stuff. <laughs> um, nice. But uh, yeah, you know, and um, obviously the Indian food was fantastic. Um, music, I, I like it all. I don't um, really discriminate against anything. I When I was younger, I was really into like, you know, uh, 90s hip hop was a big thing for me for a long time. Still is. Uh, love Tribe Called Quest, Far Side. Nice, yes. And the guys. Um, <laughs> love 80s hair band i grew up obviously in that period so you know poison motley crew van halen all good yeah. um yeah wide wide variety yeah. <laughs> yeah well in some weird way i always have to ask i don't always but i try to ask the music question because i met my business partner we used to work in a record store so yeah like the 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 seeds of this business were started in a record store so we yeah. always have that music uh music behind us i don't know it's just kind of funny well dude mm. I, you know i i'm i'm looking forward to like continuing this conversation and and totally. you know, us us really you know continuing to talk on clubhouse and i'll actually probably be out that way in a month probably probably right around the well a little after the time i release this um because Very cool. i'll be out there and hopefully we'll be heading up to montana with hopes of trying to break some ground at some point in time and get nice. get stuff um get stuff going up there and i think that that's you know like that's something like that I'd, I'd love to like keep you in the loop about because yeah you know that you know we want to do these artist athlete type residencies but i think your story and and your honesty and vulnerability and and talking about you know transitions um you know out of out of sports into into life and and again, it doesn't have to be sports related necessarily. It's just yeah. like, it's just like moving forward in life. And I, and I like, I, that's why I think immediately when, you know, we started talking is like, you, you're just like, you're just like straightforward. Like there's no bullshit about you. And I, and I, yeah. I really appreciate that. No, I mean, I do because like it's, 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 yeah. it's, you know, I, I use this inspiration word a lot with people because I do think you know, how you talk about stuff, it, it is inspiring. And it's also just real. Like, because yeah. sometimes people forget that things change, and you have to be able to adapt. And I think yeah. that the more prepared that younger generation is, and it's not just for the younger generation, but that people are for adapting. Um, yeah, it's just better. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, uh, you know, that's another thing that I think athletes are ultimately the best at is yep. adaptability. And that's another thing that, um, you know, if people are in a transition or struggling in transition, that's something that they need to remember and, yep. you know, try, try to use that as kind of fuel for the fire. Yep. Now athletics teaches us so much. Like when I, and again, like being in the art world, there's so many anti athletic people in in this space which is so I know, which bizarre is to me it's so yeah. stupid it's just like everybody's got their thing we're really not that different like let's just start no. this and yeah. and it's just like but see that's the thing is like 
artists go go to the gym to work out, but they don't they they don't want the athletes to make art. And it's just like, oh, come, right. on, come on, yeah. Like, it, there's a lot of nuance in yeah. this culture and in this world, and you yeah. know, I think breaking down the barriers is yep much needed. And you know, thing conversations like these are are happening every day more and more. And I think it's a, a really cool wave to to kind of be on. Totally. Well, dude. Yeah. Like I said, thank you. Um, and if you yeah. do, if you actually know any, um, any musicians that would want to donate a song to the podcast, just let me know. Um, yeah. I'll probably be releasing it like April 19th, I think is what I have it down for. Cool. Um, and, um, and anybody, like I was going to ask Caston, I think at some point in time to be on, but if you know anybody oh, yeah. that wants to be on, um, just like definitely connect us. I mean, again, yeah. you know, like we, we like, you, you see what the talk is. It's really arts, creativity, wellness, but it's really just a platform for, for the guests to, to, you know, to talk because totally. I, I love your story. I love, I love uh, what you're doing. And, and again, I think how vulnerable and how honest you are, I think is just so fucking important. Yeah. Thanks man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. It's taken a long time and you know, it's yep. funny. Um, actually the first like big show that Cass and I did on, on clubhouse, like I had a pretty gnarly moment where, you know, this is 10 plus years past my new life. Um, you know, and we had a Brett Rapkin, the, the director of, um, uh, the weight of gold, you know, that HBO film with, uh, Michael Phelps and everything. And was talking about one of the, one of the athletes who had committed suicide while they were making that, uh, that documentary and all that stuff. And yeah, everything just hit me because I hadn't really talked about it in a long, long time. And yep. man, yeah, I, I couldn't even, couldn't even finish. I was just like, Oh, all right. Have a good, have a good show guys. Like, yeah. no, dude. I, but again, I think that that it's just important that people are doing that because it, it does the vulnerability thing to me is, is the key is like yeah. the more people are allowing people to see us, whoever as humans. Yeah. It, it's, it, it just, like you said, it, it knocks down walls um, and, and sets, sets us up for a better future. I think I really do. Totally. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, so it's, that's awesome. Thank you very much for having me. I yeah, appreciate dude. it. Now, I, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch when I, when I'm ready to release and um, when I'm out there, if I'm in, in the general area, we can go grab a coffee or a drink or whatever. Yeah. And, um, outdoor living. And hopefully I'll, oh, I will be vaccinated by then. So nice. fully. Yeah. Yes. So um, <laughs> All right. cool, brother. Well, yeah, have a, have an epic day. And, and like I said, we'll, I'm sure we'll be seeing each other on the, on the platform. And, yeah. Yeah. Let me know whenever you're out and I'm sure I'll, cool. I'll talk to you here soon. Yeah. Yeah, man. Cool. All right, brother. Have a great day. All right, thanks. You too. Later. Bye. Cannot say enough about Steve and, you know, really his honesty and vulnerability. Just loved, you know, talking with him today and loved hearing his stories about his remarkable career. Uh, But I also think it's really important to have these discussions about post-career and really promoting that every athlete is more than just an athlete. Again, make sure to follow him on Instagram at Steve Fisher Mountain Homes. Do not forget to listen to the other podcast on the Abstract Athlete Network. 
The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. You can follow us at theabstractdoctors.com and follow us on social media under The Abstract Doctors and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. You can follow us on social media under One Man's Ethos or check out our website, onemansethos.com. You can also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandridge or on Twitter at Tony underscore Mandridge. And make sure to stop by his website to check out his photographs at TonyMandridge.com. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. See you next time when we talk with an amazing artist, an entrepreneur, Stanford graduate, and former ranked squash player, Julia Gillette. Thanks as always, and do not forget to exercise the body, and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.